Oh, I got a live one here. What's up to all our scientists? Are we doing the show now? <laughs> Will it ever get old? For, for him or for, for you or for, like, who is that directed at? What's up to all our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're watching the Colts Pop Podcast live stream. We are going to be discussing this week's books. And uh, a little bit later, we're going to talk about some gutters. We're going to do the gutter talk segment. We haven't figured out what we're going to discuss yet, but it'll be there. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo. With me this week is Brian. Hi. I'm with you this week. And Noel. Hi. I'm here. And Len. Hey, what's up? So, sad news this week. Who wants to talk about it? Noel got a haircut, and I actually appreciated his hair longer. Um, nice. But, you know... That notwithstanding. I liked that he got the haircut because I just did a commission of him wherein I drew him with that haircut before he had that haircut. And now yeah. life is imitating Sweet. art. Some Dorian Gray yeah. shit, Connor. Uh, hey, Lynn, why don't you tell us what happened this week? What happened this week, unfortunately, on Friday, we heard the sad news that the actor Chadwick Boseman, who portrayed, among other fa fabulous and historic roles, King T'Challa, Black Panther in the Marvel Cinematic Universe actually passed away from a four-year battle with colon cancer. He was a, the, a very young, 43 years old, very young into his acting career, which has been monumental to say the least, um, even in its brevity. Uh, and it was very um, touching and, you know, a little humbling, I, I guess, for me as like a black geek into how how much his passing seemed to touch the world at large, not just the geek community on Friday. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I, we, I guess we like we could save it for gutter talk. But I, I've had like just since Friday first when when um. When actors, musicians, and and famous people pass, I very infrequently have physical reactions to it, mm -hmm. because I, I usually just like it's sad and it sucks. But I will not. I I just don't have the capacity to necessarily to mourn for someone I've never actually met or known. Right. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, one will come around, and you kind of think about the larger ramifications of it, and it that's what strikes you. Um. And so, like, I, I've had a lot of weird not weird thoughts but like it, it's this is a this is a rough one and my 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 brain immediately went to well like now what what's the what's the right thing to do because like as you alluded to it's bigger than the actor but the actor was so vital to it i mean it's not what what are you supposed to do you can't just recast and chalk it up because he is King T'Challa, period. 
Right. But you can't you can't take something like that off the board because it's so incredibly important to so many people. So what are you supposed to do? You know? And I know it's flippant to talk like this man died of colorectal cancer, which is like the second leading cause of death or, or cancer death to people of color, men of color. So check your butts. But um that's it I know it seems flippant, but he was an icon. He was a symbol. He like yep. that's more than now. That's a feeling. It's a it's a movement. That's an event. That's a it's a little bit it's a little bit more complicated, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was brokenhearted when I heard about it. At first I I didn't it didn't register. I was like, What? Who? He did what? What are you talking about? And um I didn't for some reason I didn't like just fully register and I had to keep searching for it. Uh like, oh no, this is actually real, this actually happened. Um it's just awful. Um and the fact that um I guess he's been dealing with it with for four years and still working his ass off is just so impressive. Um but Yeah, I saw somebody point out where a little while ago people were making fun of him online, as people do when there's any kind of physical change to a famous person. And, I mean, something like this shouldn't be necessary at all, and it's not really the main point. But, um, you know, I just saw somebody point out, like, yo, this is what was going on, and maybe making fun of them about it wasn't the right call. Yeah, I remember I remember that. I think it was, I think it was um, uh, an award show about a year later, and he looked gaunt. Yeah. And I immediately thought it was for a role because he oh, didn't right. like him. I was just right. like, he must be playing something that requires him to be real thin. Yeah. Cool. Actors are like that. Yeah. I never thought he was sick. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah, our condolences go out to, um, I guess, yeah. everybody who's feeling it. Um, yeah. It's terrible. Terrible news. And we're certainly getting more in uh, a little bit more into it in the the gotta talk segment. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But for now, let's start spoiling. Oh, spoiler alert! Let's do it. Do we have letters. We have we? letters. We've got lots and lots and lots and lots of letters. 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 Uh, Mail. I got the la- I got that last part. <laughs> uh, I am bringing up the email now. Let's see. Anthony Drago, uh, last week I wrote in criticizing Invincible. I've been on vacation catching up on some reading, and I felt I should do some praising instead. Before the praise, first off, 25 issues into Invincible, and I have some critiques. Kirkman cannot write dialogue. Characters are poorly written. Also, if this is supposed to be funny, it is not. I think I'm done waiting for this to get good. Giant Days Volume 8. I love this series. (laughs) It makes me laugh out loud. Astro City, The Dark Ages Book 1, still great. I think Black Hammer suffers by comparison to this book. American Carnage, holy bleep, that was bleeped up. Freedom Fighters by Robert Venditti, six issues in, and wow, this is good. I was unfamiliar with these characters, but I'm glad I took a chance on this. Should I go back and read the older stuff? Has anyone read Freedom Fighters? Older Uh. stuff? What does he mean by the older stuff? The DC Freedom Fighters? I mean, there's a lot. I've read some older Freedom Fighter stuff, mostly the, ooh, what was it? About 10 years ago, it was, I think, the second to most recent incarnation. It was pretty good. The Ray yeah. was in it. I like the Ray. Yeah, like that's, those are characters that are so infrequently highlighted. You're like this mini series, this maxi series is, yeah, like, yeah. you're good. 
Um, the Dollhouse Family and Plunge. In issue three of Plunge, there is a reference to a story point from Dollhouse Family. Huh. Wondering if the Hill House books have a common through line. This might even connect to the axe in Basketful of Heads. I don't remember the Dollhouse Family reference in Plunge. I uh, you call it, there's been a couple of issues of Dollhouse Family since we last reviewed it for the show. Did yeah. anybody finish it? No, I want to, and I, I think it's, it's, I have them, and, and JD is accruing them for me, but, yeah. Uh, Canopus, weird four-issue sci-fi book from Scout Comics. Astronaut is stranded 300 light years from Earth with no memories. It's worth a read. I've what literally... Was, uh, yeah, what was the name of that one? Canopus. C-A-N-O-P-U-S. <laughs> Sentient, I read this based on your uh -huh. recommendation, and it was great. Thanks. Uh, similar to your TKO episode, have you thought about devoting time to profile other small businesses like Scout, Vault, or Aftershock? Thanks, guys. I would totally uh, do that. Yeah, okay. yeah, we would totally do that. For sure. I, the, uh, yeah, the, the function of doing a TKO, though, was there was at a time when there was no new books every week. So right. it was like, we, if, if you want us to skip new comics or... Well. We could do it as a book club. I mean, maybe not as in-depth of a profile, but, uh, you know, if we oh, did, like, four four number one issues from them or something like that. Mm -hmm. Could do. Sure. Uh, it's uh, Dave Chisholm. Canopus. Written, written, written in art uh, by Dave Chisholm. Great. I've made a note of it. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in that. Four issue. Uh, Brian, and I'll order it in for you. Yeah, please do. Every, everything other than... Um, everything he mentioned. Everything he mentioned. I have read Invincible, and I disagree with him. Yeah, me too. I've I've heard of Giant Days. I've heard of mm. uh, Freedom Fighters. I've heard of Astro City. Never read them. Everything else is a mystery. Uh, Astro City Dark Ages I have read, and... Isn't that I, so, be like the worst one? What's that? No. Isn't no, that supposed to be like the, wor the worst the worst one? one. Oh, the worst one. Everyone uh, talks about that being the worst one. I wouldn't say that, but it does break, um, for my money, now I love Astro City, but local heroes really did not grab me. It was about a bunch of people, just regular folks in the Astro City universe. But um, it Dark Ages diverges from its like Silver Age homage feel to get into more of an 80s homage feel, you know, like brushing on grim and gritty. And mm, it wasn't quite like the classic, iconic Astro City. It was good, though. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's the worst, worst one by any uh, standpoint. I think it's it's very ambitious. So in there, sometimes mm -hmm. it, it drops the ball a little bit. But I thought that it was um, pretty good. And to your comment about Local Heroes, Local Heroes is probably comes off as disjointed because it isn't one singular story. It's just mm. collected. It's just collected. It's like little, you know, like... In, like uh, Stories that would be in between yeah. the the volumes, you know. So, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. No, has 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 Astro City? So, Astro City's been going on for what, like forty eight years now? Um, <laughs> yeah, forty eight, forty nine. For a minute, and also, and also, too, there's no that it there's no from an outsider's perspective, there's literally no uh, number continuity or any kind of like that's your start. Um, has it ever been recollected and just like? First volume tome, like an omnibus or a compendium or a reprint of just like, so I know I could just get this one trade. That's the first 12. 
and because it's all like miniseries and ages and it's it miniseries like, now. Back. It started out as like a regular, right, Len? It started out as a regular, like yep. just ongoing series for a long time, and then and then it became kind of infrequent, I think, and then that's when he started doing like other stuff. So basically, anything with a subtitle comes after, I would assume, just Astro City. True. It started as it started as a um, an ongoing, but to Noel's point, it even in its ongoingness, it was always a series of stories. Yeah. So like yeah, six and how they're collected and the six how they're collected. There. There's no number. Hmm. Well, they are collected. They are collected in order, and they I think they actually went back. A few years ago, to like you know, kind of like reprint some of the older ones, so they all have like a number on the on the side on the okay. spine. So it'll say like, "This is the first Astro City collection." This is the second, so giving you an order up to where they are now, which I think it's like around seventeen, eighteen, or nineteen collected collection. Um, the, while the time does jump around sometimes, and story wise, you as you read, you will pick on pick up on where everything kind of falls in line. You know what I mean? Yeah, there, so. I was at a, um, I want to say last year, because I've always kind of wanted to read Astro City, but I, it's, it just seems like there's no organic entry point other than going to the jump, to the start, which is fine. But uh, I, was in a, I was in a store that was liquidating a couple, like I, I want to say last year, that place in New Hope. They had a bunch of 50% off Astro City, like little hardcovers and like little six issue oh. ones. Nice. Not a single one. Well, like it was like three different ones, but they were all over the place. Not a single one had any kind of number or any kind of indication. This is the start. It was just, yeah. it was just like Astro City, and the name of the on the spine was the name of the arc. Yeah, oh, yeah. and I wasn't gonna sit in the store <laughs> on Wikipedia looking up the order of things. So I was like, you know what, just another day. Yeah. But I almost want them to like, you know, they, they've been doing these. Uh, soft cover compendiums and stuff, and like I can't just just give me Astro City like that, so I could just ingest the whole first chunk. I would probably just start with issue one. Astro City issue one is itself a great episode, and they do little like it'll focus on Samaritan, and then it'll focus on the whatever the Fantastic Four analog is, and you know, so they they jump around, and that's yeah, um, that's Samaritan, by the way, and I think Life in the Big City is the first. Is it the is. first trade, right? Okay, it's great. The first trade, yeah. Yeah, and and it's a great story. Um, you know, issue one is a great story, one and done, and a bunch of them are either like one to three issue arcs. Um, yeah. If I was oh. going to tell, yeah, if I was going to give anybody, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I would buy the first two because Life mm -hmm. in the City introduces you into the world of Astro City by way of multiple different heroes, starting with the Samaritan and then going to the first family. That's the Fantastic Four analog and a, and a few others, and it kind of like gives hints to the the uh, broader universe of Astro City by its references to other heroes and little like you know like this panel have this hero in there and it's an, an allusion to oh my god something happened to the Silver Agent what happened um, so I would get that one and then I would get the Confessions one which is the next one which deals with a Batman and Robin analog, but it is a full, just six-issue story um, that takes place in, at that time, 
you know, current day Astro City. Um, so it, while it gives you an update on what's happening in current day Astro City for a comic that probably came out in the late 80s, 90s, um, but it is one full sequential story. So it is really, 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 really dope. Probably I love my confession. favorite. Yeah, that's confession. probably my favorite. Oh, you're right. One. Oh, cool. Um, action figure expert asks if uh, Alex Ross is still doing all the covers. As far as I know, he is the yes. only person who has ever done covers. And uh, what, Brent Anderson, Brent or Brett? Brent, um, Brent. Brent did, I think he has dropped out recently, but for a very, very long time was the only artist. And he has such a classic style, and it fits UCX's like, classic style of writing for Astro City so well that it's great that it's all one artist. Yeah, it's, it's him for the for the long for most of its run um yeah I, I hate to say it but then in the uh later issues that he is drawing you can see where he's kind of like losing his touch a little bit because brennan is not a young guy um yeah. and then uh yeah. Busick, who's the writer kurt Busick, brings in other writers to, uh, other artists to kind of like take over the, the the range for a little bit and i think he's beginning to lock down on a single artist. Well, I know his his tack now is to for it no longer to be come out in miniseries and no longer to to basically just get the whole story done oh, and cool. then put it out as one as one big collection. Nice. Uh, Christopher Saint Saucy Goodnight says Astro City feels like a precursor to Jeff Lemire uh, series of superhero series where it's minis but they tie together. Black Hammer. I'm assuming he's talking oh. about. So, yeah. thank you so much for writing in, Anthony Drago. Uh, Christopher St. Saucy wrote in, Bill and Ted's new teenage bounty hunter mutants. Um, hey, y'all, thought I'd talk about three things that I enjoyed this week. The first, of course, is Bill and Ted Face the Music. I saw Bill and Ted's excellent adventure in grade school on VHS. It's still a classic. Minus a slur, of course. I still think the final presentation would make a great stage play. I thought Billy and Thea were fine. They weren't carbon copies of Bill and Ted, but they were still delightfully dorkish. I'd have given anything to have someone other than Shal as the new emissary from the future. Okay, I, is he is he just doing a, a review of the movie that no one else has seen yet? Like, there's some surprises in the flick. I, I mean, a little bit, a little bit of them, yeah. Oh, I do, uh, I do want to see that movie, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Parentage, the role that Shaw plays, a, a bunch of stuff, and then like there's a couple of characters that I had no idea were even a part of the movie that show up, and they're the best part. So like, is he just gonna go through the cast list for the rest of the email? No. Okay, cool. I just like just want to make sure. Uh, it, it just has a problem with I guess Kristen Shaw uh, has been yeah. cast in the movie, and he would have preferred Tig Notaro or Lauren Lapkus. I'm such uh, a big Kristen Shaw fan. Kristen. She's fun. Uh, New Mutants. Yes, I went to theaters to see it. I wore a mask the whole time, and that worked out fine because it muffled a couple of fuck yeahs and oh shits. <laughs> if you go in expecting a traditional X-Men or superhero movie, then you are going to be disappointed. If you go in expecting a horror movie with mutant characters, then you should be able to enjoy it, especially when a character you aren't expecting shows up. Go on and guess. I dare you. No, I'm not going to guess. Um, Gambit. Duh! Who, what was that, Brian? Poor Bushman. Poor Bushman. Poor Bushman. <laughs> uh, and finally, Teenage Bounty Hunters. It's a new Netflix dramedy in the vein of Saved with Manny Moore and Jenna Malone. 
Good Christian Bitches, starring Leslie Bibb and Kristen Chenoweth with, and Charlie's Angels, avoid all spoilers and go in knowing all of the hype you might have heard is true. Also, of course, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. What makes this death hurt the most is he wasn't self-inflicted. It wasn't self-inflicted due to drugs or suicide. It was cancer. I'm sure you will weigh in on it and how the toxic news sites and fans are handling it. Can't wait for your reviews of We Only Find Them When They Are Dead and Spy Island next week. Chris, St. Saucy, good night. I like um, how he very, very slyly demands two books we're going to review. Which <laughs> was the, the, I always forget the title of the Tinian one, even though I'm, I think I'm on the list for it. They uh, we, only find them, we only find them when they are dead. And then another know. one called Spy Island, which I don't know. That's, um, what's her name? She wrote Hawk or, or uh, Canary, uh, Black Canary series uh, and, and Man, Man Eaters. Um, oh, Chelsea Kane. Thank you. That's Chelsea Kane's new book. Yeah. She's disappointed me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I've never read Man Eaters, nor do well, I follow her on social media. There was an interesting thing going on with man eaters, where um, you know the story is about women, a world where women turn into like were panthers every month, uh, and so the patriarchy has created a, a drink that suppresses that gene in women. Um, so it's a it's a feminist story, but um, I guess a bunch of trans people were like, "You're not. What about trans people? How come they're not in the story?" Um, and instead of I guess acknowledging that and responding in a way that maybe she should have. She just printed people's tweets without their permission inside her comic book in the panels of the comic book in billboards. Well, they did. I mean, could you do that for, like, if a news anchor wrote something, could you reprint that as an artifact of the world? I guess. Um... Yeah, there's I mean, nothing. It, it, it depends on if you're a if you're a jerk or not. Yeah, that, I was going to say there's nothing illegal about it, Brian. Oh, it's just oh, okay. a douchey it's move. A public forum, right? It, oh, okay. It, it was just a dick move. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought the without their permission was the was the no. crux of. It was I just, no, I thought that was, was an, an you know an important part of the. Yeah! 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 Anyway, thank you so much, Chris St. Saucy. Good night. I am looking forward to New Mutants, no matter what anybody says. Um, there's plenty of movies that get terrible reviews, and I wind up enjoying them anyway, because I have terrible taste. Speaking of which, let's move on to this week's books, um, <laughs> wherein I will exhibit my terrible tastes. The Three Jokers, number one, by Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok. 30 years after Batman the Killing Joke changed comics forever, Three Jokers re-examines the myth of who or what the Joker is, and what is at the heart of his eternal battle with Batman. New York Times bestselling, blah, 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 Dark Side War, Pages of Justice League, blah, 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 Years of Anticipation, Rebirth 1, Epic Miniseries, yeah. Waiting For Us is here. <laughs> Find out why there are three Jokers and what that means for the Dark Knight and the Clown Prince of Crime. It's a mystery unlike any Batman has ever faced. So uh, I already talked about this book without spoilers. I did a Thunder Round review. Thunder Round. Uh, the beginning of the week on the YouTube channel. So I'm going to let you guys take it. Brian, what did you think of The Three Jokers? Uh, I thought it was a, a, like a pretty good, fun, interesting story. 
I, as the solicit <laughs> mentions, it has been years awaited, and when it was, that, that is evident in the art, like, Batman's got a costume that he was wearing several years ago, like a, a temporary-type costume from pre-Rebirth, I believe, or around Rebirth. I believe but it's pre-Rebirth. Pre-Birth. Uh, his pre-Birth costume it was. And temporary in the sense that it just didn't end up sticking around for that long. Uh, obviously, they're all kind of go around. Uh, but anyway, I was more excited about this book when it was first announced, when it seemed like there, it would have something to do with with uh, continuity, and there's, there's three Jokers, and what's that all about? And so this will do a lot of what has since been done in Rebirth and, and is going on in Death Metal and Doomsday Clock and all of those things. And that's still ongoing. It just doesn't feel like this is important to that. And maybe it never was. Maybe there's another explanation. But I remember, uh, what, Batman was on the Mobius chair and he was like, oh, there's three Jokers. What's that all about? And it was a big mystery. And now it feels like the, uh, the, the force of the mystery is kind of waned. But overall, the story itself was good. You get a classic Batman scars scene. You know, uh, Martha Wayne doesn't want to go in. I like that they have Barbara Gordon and Jason Todd as the as the two that are going up against him. So yeah, overall enjoyable. I no. I, I I don't agree with you with the uh, the continuity, hmm. the, the lack of continuity waning on this because if anything, this book was pure continuity. All the motivations and everything have to do with yeah, I, yeah. That's what I was laughing at, looking like a snack. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. <laughs> How can JD have bad taste when he's over here looking like a snack? I don't know. What does snacks eat? No, no punctuation. <laughs> none, oh. none needed. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Um, but, no, 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 yeah. no this, this, this entire book has been, well, like this entire issue is pure continuity. The choice of the characters, their motivations, exactly what happened. It's literally steeped in every single fiber of continuity. Hmm. Because it doesn't match up with what's happening right now, I don't necessarily think, uh, if anything, like, that, just, that just weakens what's happening in current books, not what this is to me. And with all the new, like, everything matters, everything happened, it's like, okay, I get it. So I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to read this as just a pure sequel to what was going on, you know, pre-52. Because it is, you know. Oh, yeah, that's what I was saying, was that, that I thought it was going to be, like, a more important incontinuity. You know, like, the current DC, it would be, like, Here's why there's three Jokers. They're going to merge into one or something or whatever, you know. Um, I think not that it will. It referencing. Maybe it, it will. It, it will. Yeah. It, no, it will just as, as much as every single great story or a lot of the great stories that we now take for granted that are in continuity were not written in continuity. The Killing Joke was not in continuity. Uh, Dark, Knight, Dark Knight Returns was not in continuity. Now they just keep inching towards it. Uh, like, a good story is going to have everything meld around it. And so at that, like with that, you know, like they're going to say it's non-continuity 10 years from now, people are going to use threads in this book to do whatever they want with like, right. Like right now too, um, in, in, in wonder woman, like in current continuity, she did not break, uh, Maxwell Lord's neck. However, they did have a fight. So they're, they're using your emotions of remembering what happened pre this current continuity and filtering it into current content. Like it's just, 
it's it's all cyclical. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not saying whether or not it's in continuity. I thought it was like you know how Doomsday Clock made a statement about what is now DC continuity, like the current continuity. I thought back when they were first like, why are there three Jokers? I thought it was going to be that kind of book where it's like zero hour style. Like, okay, here's we're kind of going back on the new Fifty Two a little bit, but a lot of that's already been going back on in one way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not whether or not it takes place in continuity. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Glenn. Uh, I like the book. It's a beautiful book. Uh, you can't not like uh, Jason Faybach's art on it. Um, the writing. It, like, at first, I was a little like, oh, man, I do not need this um, Watchmen 9 grid, you know, <laughs> homage that is happening in this book. This is like, I feel like it's a little bit overused and not used as well. But I just, I, and then you get the scar scene. I'm like, there's more scars? Like, how many pages of the scars are we going to do? Like, I mean, it was kind of interesting, and it was kind of cool. It was like, it was almost taking what is, and and not to the, to push back on you that much, Brian, but the whole classic Batman scar thing really doves down to two points. It really goes back to, Alex Ross doing a painting of Batman and showing all the scars on his back. And Alex Ross's painting is actually an homage to a panel from a long forgotten uh, story about the Golden Age Batman when Catwoman, uh, when he first is about to, like, it, it talks about him actually marrying Catwoman, and Catwoman notices the scars on his back. Hmm. That's really the 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 classicness of the whole idea of Batman with these scars. That's where it was born. So this story, that that opening part, was kind of cool because it was like the story behind the scars, and that was dope. And if like, and if that was just it, that would have been a nice little piece of Batman or Detective Comics one thousand twenty seven. That would have been a nice little story there before to be kicking off this book and for going on so long. I was like, all right, dog. We, got, we better be going somewhere. We better be going somewhere with this. Go ahead, no. Well, no. I actually, I think, I think where they're going is is interesting, especially with the choice of the cast. Um, this whole thing is about scar tissue and the ramifications of it, right? Like the fan right. scenes. That's mm -hmm. why you've got Jason Todd, who was like fucking killed by the Joker, and Barbara Gordon, who was paralyzed by the Joker, which is now in continuity also. Right, right. So, like, this, the, the whole, I think they were doing the groundwork thematically of, like, showing you the various scars for just Batman in that scene, which I thought was cool. Yeah. No, it's cool. Yeah, that's, that's the, the, theme. That the cool. theme is scars. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Thing, yeah. And, and like I said, over the, for the most part, I enjoyed the book a lot. I, I really liked once it got past that and got into... Batman, this is where it felt classic to me, Batman at the scene, you know, the crime scene, talking to the police, you know, doing the detective work, you know, um, actually, like, having a little commentary of Batman talking to somebody in his ear and somebody actually around him, like, who the hell is he talking to? <laughs> I think he's taking too many, one too many whacks upside the head, you know, and then his Batgirl. I mean, I loved all of that. That's when this book started to cook. That's when this book started to really mean something because it was this ground level detective story that I was loving. And then, yeah, I, I, I 
certainly agree. I loved having Jason and Barbara in there and their collective scar tissue from the Joker and what the Joker has meant to in in their lives and the commentary that it presents on that. I loved every part of this. I thought it was great. I enjoyed it. It was fantastic reading. It didn't feel too long. I loved I loved the end. Mm. The only thing I didn't like like about this book has absolutely nothing to do with this book. I wish DC had had the the courage to hold off on use doing anything Joker uh-huh. <laughs> until this book came out. Because that's the only thing. This this book is coming out in a tsunami of Joker. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, the bad thing about That's the only bad thing that this, this book cannot help. This I is think the, part, the Joker you need. I think what happened was it was supposed to come out way sooner than it has. And it got pushed mm-hmm. back so far that, to you know, yeah, we know the Joker war is going on and all this other stuff. But we need, we need to get this book out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm fl- so I know that you most of you guys read this digitally. The no, the I actual, I said most half. Sorry, fifty percent, fifty percent of you guys read this digitally. Better, thank you. Um, <laughs> the, the presentation uh, of the actual like printing is awesome. Like mm. it's all embossed and it's just a really really pretty book. Mm. But uh, flipping through and. Each character gets their scar scenes, which I thought was really yeah. cool. And I, oh, yeah. yeah. Jason Todd, like, on the back of the head. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what I like about the scar scene, I actually sat with that, and I thought it was really well done. You have, you, you know, it, it paces it out so that you're kind of sitting in the moment. I could almost hear sort of the score, right? The, 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 if this was a film, I could, I could hear the score of the music playing and then the violence of the scenes uh, where Batman is getting these scars from the Penguin, from Croc, from... Uh, Bane, Riddler, Catwoman, uh, and then it shows three consecutive ones, all yeah. the Joker. And yeah. I like how that was just using the scars to sort of bring home the idea that the Joker is the worst of them all, and he yeah. he really does the most damage. Mm-hmm. I just, it was just I thought it was a nice piece of storytelling. I really liked it. The idea that the there could be other ones too is you know like Joker. One of his classic moves is to make people kind of look like him or fish, um, or fish. But- yeah, but usually the fish live, I guess, but the people don't. And the idea that it's like a possibility that he could create more, like not that they would be as bad as him, but like stand-in jokers, I don't think has ever really been explored before. It's interesting. Well, oh, that's I, a question, right? So is do we even know? Are these three jokers created by the Joker, or is this a multiversal happening? I think it's a multiversal, but I don't, you know. Yeah. I um I like the I think personally I think it's multiversal because of the origins of this story where in mm-hmm. you know when when Batman sat on the Mobius chair and was able to see all of existence and then um and then a freak out during Rebirth DC Rebirth one yeah so like it kept it always was leaning towards like sitting outside mm-hmm. of normal timeline but I honestly I'm just in for whatever yeah. like. Tell me what you're going to tell me. But uh, I, I did have a question for JD. The score you hear in your head when you were reading this, was it was it Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah? Oh, my God. God damn it. No. <laughs> was, that, was that what you heard? No, it's not that self-important. Oh, okay. I, well, I just didn't know if your thoughts were as douchey as that preview. 
Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> all right. Highly recommend Batman the Three Jokers. Uh, it's a three-inch yeah. miniseries coming out from DC Comics. It is a black label book. Oh, the one thing, I, I kind of wish it was the black label oversized issue. Uh, oh, it's not because yeah. having read it digitally, I didn't know. It's a regular, yeah. it's a regular comic, di- regular comic dimensions, but it's perfect bound instead of staple. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's a bunch of this, like a bunch of the black label books that I suspect weren't supposed to be black label are this, and then the ones that were uh, made black label are the the lar- like the super prestige because like it was this one, it was the uh, the Snyder and Capullo Batman one was is is this format like this the the normal perfect bound. Seven by nine. Those mm. could have easily been in continuity books. Mm. And then, you know, the big crazy weird ones that are clearly outside of continuity are the Yeah. The big mm. boys. Let's move on to Daredevil Annual number one by Chip Sadarsky and Manuel Garcia. One more day. That's all it says in the DC uh in sorry in the diamond previews. Yeah. So uh, one I did more day. It, I saw the one more day on the on the title uh, on the, the the cover of the book, and I thought, "What the hell? <laughs> no, what, what could this possibly?" So, for anybody who doesn't know, "One More Day" is sort of a controversial title to use for a comic <laughs> because "One More Day" was a storyline in the Spider-Man uh, realm of the Marvel Universe, wherein. Uh, they purposely decided they were going to get rid of the marriage between Peter Parker and Mary Jane. So they had Peter Parker do something wildly out of character. Uh, And he made a deal with Mephisto, the devil, to save his Aunt May, but then abolish his marriage as if it never happened. And it is widely loathed as a Spider-Man story. It's up there with, like, Sins Remembered and... Uh, probably the Clone Saga as like missteps. Is that so, the Gwen Stacy one? Sins Remembered. Yes. The children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, when I saw it on the title, I was like, "Oh, geez." Mm. So I don't remember where Mike comes from. So when I opened this up, I was like, "Wait, uh. okay, that's Mike Murdoch, who is an alter ego that Matt Murdoch uses as like a fake twin brother that he has." Kind of like, you know, when, when Batman goes undercover as Matchstick Malone. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I was like, wait, this, why can he see? Why isn't he blind? Because it's really Matt Murdock. Turns out it's not Matt Murdock. Uh, Matt, Mike Murdock, the alter ego of Matt Murdock has been given life. He exists now as a, as a person and he's hanging out with The Hood, who is a character I really like, who's created by Brian K. Vaughn and powered up by Brian Michael Bendis. And I thought this was a pretty interesting issue where Mike, this guy who just came into existence, decides he wants to be real. He wants to be a real boy and he wants to have a past and everything. So he winds up getting an artifact that the hood has, which he helped himself level up in order to give himself a past. And this is what this story is. What did you guys think? No. Yeah, the whole Mike thing. Becoming sentient, I think that happened during Charles Soul run. Uh, just like becoming a real person. Oh, okay. uh, that, yeah, like the Daredevil run that I've never read, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure it happened there because it was like a double identity thing. Um, I liked after reading it. I liked uh, 
the cheekiness of using one more day because it literally was rewriting of history in order to insert someone mm -hmm. into continuity. <laughs> so it, it had the same level of um, uh, controversy or just like, you know, messing with reality. I thought that was really funny. Um, I I like the general theme of the book that this, this uh, empty person or empty soul used magic to create a whole backstory because he felt empty and then he got his whole backstory and he felt effing awful because mm -hmm. he was <laughs> he was agents in the death of their father so he got the entirety of a tortured life in like one sitting and now he just sucks so like i loved the whole deep and, and all of it as for like liking the issue it was <laughs> yeah like i I loved everything about what they did, but it was kind of a bore to read. <laughs> I just didn't like the issue itself. Len. So, yeah, I kind of agree with uh, Noel right there. Um, it was interesting. It was, you know, kind of like this uh, uh, reimagining of the Daredevil history, you know, and filling in Mike in there. But at the end of the day, it was like, so? Like, I just, I just like, <laughs> I, I, like I, I just did not, I'm mean, like, I, it didn't do anything, especially because him working himself into the history didn't really change much. It didn't, it didn't, and I thought they went out of his way to kind of like him, it, not to be a disruptor. I'm like, yo, if you're going to do it, be a disruption to this thing. Now I understand maybe you know, annuals historically, you know, try to be in and of themselves so they, they don't have a greater impact on the ongoing issue. So if you don't buy the annual, you're not, not missing anything. So I guess that makes sense. But I mean, then to me, then, then don't do it at the freaking annual. Just don't do it. It's just, it was, I, I didn't care. <laughs> okay. I think it's kind of interesting. It'll be interesting to see moving forward what happens now that Daredevil has an actual twin brother who isn't blind and is kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, I like I like the ramifications or the possibilities for it more than I enjoyed actually reading the story. So, like, if yeah. there's the middle of like a trade or something that you were plowing through, it'd be great. But like, as a as a, I'm jumping into an annual, it's like, all right. Which is another thing that annuals can do sometimes. Uh, to Len's point, like. They occasionally can be like a, hey, here's a lot more about this one character that we're going to be using sure, going sure. forward, you know. And I, I wonder if that's what was going on here. I, I thought the uh, the strangeness of bringing Mike in, I didn't know that he had been made a real person. Um, I think originally he was fake, but was everyone assumed he was Daredevil was the reason that he was created? So it was like something to do with protecting Matt Murdock's secret identity. Well, I thought time. it was. So back when Matt Murdock, there was like a dark period in the Marvel Universe where both Spider-Man and Daredevil uh, decided they were no longer going to be their their um, civilian alter right. egos. So Spider-Man just became the spider and he was like not Peter Parker anymore as, as far as you could No, this was, I think this was like in the 70s was when. Oh, oh. I think so. Oh, you know, Matt Murdock was dead, but right. Mike Murdock was alive. Oh, I thought that's when he became Jack Batlin. Uh, oh, that, or maybe that was a different time. 
Um, but so I wonder, like, I thought that it was interesting him, like, like you said, no, like giving, giving himself, uh, like a full existence as opposed to just this kind of like, I, I guess, partial reality. Like he existed now, but he wasn't actually part of the history kind of thing. Um, so that was interesting. Although I, when he, when he wakes up and he's like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. He retains the memory that he just did this, right? Like he didn't have anything to do. He did now, but it would have played out the same way with his dad. I that's I mean, got to be a complex emotional reality. I was going to well. say like analytical, <laughs> slash, analytical, rational versus pure right. emotional that you just got like a full dose. Right. Of, yeah. I, like I, I'm aware emotionally. I feel like I did this, but I know that I didn't, and I put myself into this. Oh wait, actually, he did though. So, like, the, the rules of the runestone were that you completely create reality, like, you rewrite reality altogether. So mm. he may know that he did the spell, but he also actively did those things. He did. Yeah, yeah. He did do those things. I guess it's just, like, the dad would have, they would have died anyway, but that doesn't, might not make it any easier. It's, right. oh, I don't know how it would be if, if that was you. Makes sense. understand. questions. That's what I like about it. It sure does, Yeah. And that was it. That was enough for me. Like you get these like kind of flashpoints of Daredevil history. I'm not a huge Daredevil fan, so it's not like I've seen these all the time. But um, you know, I was the existential stuff was enough for me. I don't understand why he has a beard. Do you guys get that? He's got it when he comes back from the. He like does the runestone thing or the Nornstone, sorry thing, and then he he's got a beard, like a well kempt beard, and then yeah. and then he doesn't in the next. Panel, next page. Page I, anymore. I, I noticed that yeah. too, and I'm yeah. trying to see the passage of time, like read the passage of time, and I, it didn't land for me. Yeah, but because I didn't care, I just kept right. reading. It didn't. Yeah. Well, maybe, <laughs> I guess, he wasn't. He was. He didn't live out loud, right? So he could have literally been in that spell for two, three weeks. I get that I sense. Like time passed. Yeah. Um, uh, I looked up his origin. You guys want it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after Daredevil enlisted the help of Inhuman named Reader to form a group to take down Mayor Wilson Fisk, Reader accidentally used his ability to physically manifest anything he read while researching on Mike Murdoch, which resulted in the manifestation as a real person who genuinely believed that he to be Matt Murdoch's twin brother and possessed both the abilities and brash personality he was supposed to have. So it was a... This was during Charles Soule's run. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's when he became sentient. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. 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 All right, cool. Um, oh, all right, yeah. Legion of Superheroes number eight. I'm going to change the banner so that Chris knows to come back. Here we go. There we go. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, art by everyone. <laughs> Beginning a special two-part comic storytelling event over the course of two spectacular issues, 44 artists will dive into the 31st century with each page starring a different legionnaire. It starts with the team. It starts when the team is arrested by a galactic authority that does not approve of the Legion, and it leads into an intergalactic showdown that will affect every member of the team. One of the things I like about Brian Michael Bendis as a creator is that he does his best to showcase artists that he think deserve showcasing or maybe haven't been in the spotlight in a, in a long time, and it's sort of his duty to get them some work and so he does this, uh, he's been doing this for years and years, uh, both Marvel and DC, where he will specifically write books 
I think to showcase different artists and see how many people he can get to draw the book. So um, that being said, this was fun. Uh, I, I read one, two, three, four, five, and six, but then I skipped seven by accident and I jumped right into eight. And I thought it was pretty fun. Hmm. Uh, I'm really enjoying this Legion book. Seeing all of different artists draw these characters was a lot of fun. Um, but man, you know, I think my favorite page is actually the opening page where we see Superboy. Look at that face. <laughs> this is just like the happiest, sweetest. I just love the expression on this kid's face. Evan yeah, and it, and it, it, the, the story he's telling, the recap he's telling is actually pretty dire, but he's just like, I'm in the future. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it's pure Superman, right? Or it's, it's, it's so great. Like we got arrested and I'm in the future and yeah. we just brought back the sea and this, I gotta go. There's space <laughs> aliens, but that doesn't mean anything anymore. Oh, I gotta start. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. So funny. Um, but yeah, I thought this was fun. What did you think, Brian? Uh, I liked it a lot. I liked, uh, we see it on the first page, Element Lad, and then a little later, uh, Phantom Girl. Are, um, I, I like their redesigns. A lot of these redesigns have been very cool uh, mm -hmm. for, the, for the Legion, which is, which is a big part of the Legion for me. You know, it's like, how are they going to look? Um, yeah, they were a lot of fun. I liked getting the little, the little blurbs. There's a few things that Bendis is changing that I'm like, uh, I don't like it this way as much. You know, we'll see how it goes. I don't know why Monel, like, he's not a Daxamite anymore. That was that was a shock when they say there's two Kryptonians on the team and now he's the great, 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 whatever grandson. I found myself thinking Jeff Johns takes, like, old continuity and all weaves it together in a way that I find it very satisfying. Brian Michael Bendis takes old continuity and is like, I'm going to change that and do something different. And sometimes it's very cool. You know, like some things that he does are very cool. Um, the way that he writes them all are, are engaging and enjoyable. And this was a cool, like, kind of, you know, primer to their... Oh, I thought I was coming up here. Or like uh, Jonah, the, uh, the guy whose dad is, for the, for the non-Legion fans, the guy whose dad is, um, is their kind of main antagonist. His also seems to have powers, so I don't know what the story is there. You know, does Jonah get his powers uh, from some other way? Oh, this artist is great. Anyway, yeah, I liked it. The Mike guy Allred that did Mike, Mike Allred. I wondered if it was him or somebody that looked like him. Um, all right, so that's no surprise. Oh, and there's the one that I was talking about, the uh, Tingyu Wazu Phantom Girl. I like mm -hmm. her kind of new look. Yeah. And then Monel yeah. just breaks up with her, like, boom. Yeah, they're kind of I, in a bit. You know, they've already got relationships formed and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, Bendis has a has a really fun way of, at least fun to my ears, or my eyes as I read it, of entering scenes and conversations midway through and then leaving about a second before they should be over. <laughs> So it keeps everything very engaging going through. So like we, in one page, we witnessed um, the introduction of a character, the introduction of her relationship, another character's new status quo, and then they break up. And this happened in six panels. Right. right. And then also in the following panel, you get the, the whole story dichotomy of no one else on the team knew that they were even dating. Right. Yeah. And this happened 
so quickly and so fast. It's the kind of thing that if you don't really like kind of, if you're not paying attention to what he's doing, he it's like there's a thousand balls in the air and it seems like chaos, but it's incredibly organized chaos and it's intentional chaos. And I just really, really appreciate that. Yeah, I like this a lot. Hmm. Nice. Well, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Uh, I appreciate everything you just said, and I appreciate Brian Michael Bendis' writing. I appreciate the characters that he's creating in the Legion. I like the redesigns of everybody. Um, I enjoyed most of the artwork that is in this book. Um, some of them I wish maybe had it extended past just one page, but Brian's got his experiment, if you will, that he's doing, so he's going to roll with it, rock with it. So, I liked it. This would have been a very interesting Legion of Superheroes annual number one. (laughs) But it's number eight of an ongoing series that, to me, has a bit of the smell of spinning tires. It Mm. feels like there's just wheels just spinning. The character characterization of everyone and how they get along with, with each other is slowly being introduced and you're falling in love with some aspects of it. But story-wise, I feel that the book as a whole is kind of just spinning its wheels along. And that and and this issue with all of these artists just really has that smell to me of Brian Michael Bendis probably being a little upset that he's hitched his cart to the Ryan Sook art machine <laughs> and Ryan Sook not being able to keep up on a regular schedule as easily as Michael as Bendis can, probably because he's the writer, but he's writing a tons of things. Um, and him trying to just kind of like Keep keep this uh, the train on, train on the track. I like the story you're introducing all the Legion. I like I like most of the redesigns. I like the characterization. I actually appreciate Monel actually having more of a relationship with Superboy because I thought it was very nebulous for mm. for most of his creation. And then they would try to like backtrack it and try to make him more connected than he technically should be. I like. Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean nebulous? He was he was a Daxamite. True, yeah, but, but they yeah. got L in his name was yeah, always. Yeah, they, like, they had the L, and they that always was because he thought he was he, he was, thought he thought was, he was Superman's cousin. Yeah, yeah. And then they always tried to present him, even though he wasn't his cousin, but almost as if they were cousins um, for a mm. long time. And as opposed to just saying like, "Yeah, dude, this was in the future. Yes, I am a Kryptonian. How? Whoops. Stay tuned. I like that." <laughs> I I enjoy that aspect of it, you know, uh, and maybe they'll never mention mention why. That would be fine with me, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's some Kryptonian seed out there. Who knows? Um, so I like that, but it's just the whole <laughs> spinning wheels of it. Especially now, I thought this was just going to be one issue. I was like, okay, this is probably like a little fill-in issue. Mm-hmm. Rock- but no, this is going to be two issues of forty-four artists. Oh yeah, this is. Definitely spinning wheels. To oh yeah, me. we are oh, still yeah. being introduced to characters yeah. in the eighth. Yeah, I, 
I completely agree and would double down money that this is spinning wheels, but not in a negative way. It's just like, I know Ryan Sook is slower than monthly. So how do I create places in my story to be able to do that without just the regular fill-in issue to give to buy him time? And Bendis historically writes like six months in advance or six issues in advance. So him knowing that like, oh, I can get away with like a jam issue here and here without grinding to a complete halt while Ryan catches up on two issues. Great. So like, I, I know that it's like, I could see the seams as to why they would do something like this. But even that it was done in such a thoughtful and fun way that I'm super okay with the seams. I didn't know? feel like this was spinning its wheels at all. I, I think that the storyline is basically we've got Superboy in the future. The, uh, Legion of Superheroes has to deal with the politics of being the Legion and the Madam Honor who like started off cool and now kind of sucks and the uh, Aquaman's trident and uh, this douchebag, what's his name? The Na? Krav, leader of the planetary Rimbor. Yeah. Um, and uh, they whooped his ass last issue and so he comes back and says, we're going to have a trial because you guys have fucked with me. So it's a whole big action-based issue where they're, you know, the the Rim, Rimbor, Rimbornians? Rimbor. Rimborans? Rim, yeah. <laughs> Rimborians. I'm going Rimborian. Rimborians. I like that. Yeah. Um, the Rimming Buttholes, whatever they're called, um, <laughs> have come to collect the Legion in order to uh, put them on trial. I thought it was a, I thought it was a blast. It didn't feel like it was spinning its wheels to me, but again, I have bad taste, so. <laughs> I guess the biggest reason why it, it, it bothers me is because this is Legion number eight. Mm. It's number eight. Yeah, they're I on mean, trial. Yeah. It's the classic it, number it, eight issue where the <laughs> main <laughs> have to get yep. On yep. trial, it yeah. happens every 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 series. Every every eighth or ninth <laughs> issue, and this one's just bullshit. Yes, but usually it's drawn by one artist, and they all you they don't need four artists to tell that story. In, in issue six, they already had a revote of the leader. That's also a classic Legion thing. Just just get that, that all done in the first year. That just, is hey, Cosmic Boy's characterization here is really interesting, where like he's not great in the leader role and does no. not handle it well when no. yeah and i mean i can take him being surprised because he, there was never a vote before but is that rock rock yeah. Trin, yeah yeah yes yeah but as soon as he finds out he has to go back emotions don't matter his yeah. duty has to go. like so yeah, I, actually, yeah. I preferred that yeah yeah that was a cool reaction to him like he takes like one second to close his eyes and he's out <laughs> he's so sad yeah I know. It's like it's like the uh, Arrested Development Michael Sarah Peanuts. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to throw down his backpack and just fall on his face. I think. I think. Um, I, part of me. Part of me also thinks that this book suffers from being a normal schedule, where in in a in a landscape where literally everything is biweekly and inundation. Right. Mm. So this is not. Other than those Millennium issues, the, the the original ones, and I think issue two, made by like a week or two, this has not been late. This mm. comes out once a month, mm. right? Whereas the Superman books, there's like two every two weeks, 
<laughs> the Batman books, there's like one a week, if not more. So like this this book is going on a normal schedule, but because of everything else, it feels like it's a slow pace. So I I am I am wondering how this is going to read collected, or I'm hmm. I'm excited to find out how this is going to read collected because it's probably going to, like this is now all of his things are are happening. This is my favorite Bendis at DC. Oh sweet, period. Nice. Yeah, I love Superman. Uh, I, I dig action comics. Um, the little stuff here and there has been cool, but this is legitimately the most um, fun he seems to be having. The most create create creative that he is being with like the art choices and the coming up with this and that, like this seems like he's having the most fun and it shows. Mm -hmm. So I'm more excited about this book and like it more than the other stuff he's got going on at DC. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Fantastic four antithesis. Number one by Mark Wade and Neil Adams, an unstoppable meteor of unknown origin has just erupted from hyperspace. And unless the Fantastic Four can find a way to stop it from hitting Manhattan, millions will die. Um, so, I forgot that this was written by Mark Wade at first, and it, I thought it was just a Neil Adams joint, which made me go, oh, no. <laughs> oh, I don't, I'm not going to care about this. Because anytime in the past six years, uh, maybe ten, that Neil Adams has written and drawn a book by his onesies, it, it just, it felt like drugs. And uh, it felt like nonsense, and I never, I just haven't enjoyed it. But then I remembered, oh, it's Mark Wade, so maybe this will be pleasant. I think it was. I think uh, the, um, the team of having Mark Wade and Neil Adams together is a good one. I think um, Mark Farmer doing inks on Neil Adams is great. Uh, it almost gives a little bit of an Alan Davis sheen to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good-looking book for the most part. I think any time that uh, the thing moved his mouth, it was horrifying. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I the thing real weird in this book. And my other big problem is that the, the big reveal at the end of this issue, which I don't think is connected to the current Marvel Universe is the same as a big reveal <laughs> that happened last week in the Marvel Universe proper. So it was like, oh, okay, this happened again, I guess. We're going to spoil it for you. Galactus is dead. And I went, oh, all right. So, I mean, he's not staying dead in either one, you know. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> having that be your big reveal twice yeah. <laughs> in two weeks. Yeah. But what did you think, Len? <laughs> Okay. Fortunately, there was one book that I liked this month, so this week. So I'm fine shitting on everything. But I'm doubly, but I'm doubly fine shitting on this piece of shit. This is the antithesis of anything fantastic. This is, this is garbage. This is this is I without knowing anything. I guarantee this is Neil Adams. Wanting to do a Fantastic Four book. Why? I don't know. I don't think he ah! did a Fantastic Four book. So he convinced Marvel that he could do a Fantastic Four book. He always wanted to draw the, the thing looking like a, this part rock ape. He's a thing. <laughs> and he went off, did his Fantastic Four book, turned it into Marvel, and Marvel said, uh, yeah. Mark, can you do us a salad, dog, and, um, <laughs> like, just make sense of what he's done. 
and then Mark Wade was was brought in to basically put a story, some coherency behind this mess that Neil Adams has put together. This is garbage. And yes, are we all kneel down at the altar that is the Neil Adams of the 60s and the 70s, and maybe even into the 80s. Yeah. But that Neil Adams has long left the building, and we are left with a shell of a man who is just, like, steeped in his own self-indulgence and the memories of his relevance to the comic book universe and feels that he can take these properties and do something better it with him. This but remember is, about John Byrne. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I was go oh God. See, this is why me and you are friends. Because John <laughs> Byrne was on my lips. This is John <laughs> Byrne unleashed. That is exactly what this is. This is horrible. It absolutely makes whatever sense is it makes is because Mark Wade is putting is putting sense to it. The whole idea that Reed Richards may be, you know, losing part of his intelligence because he certainly doesn't sound like the Reed Richards we know in this book. Um, the thing, the way he looks, D- Johnny Storm l- looks like I don't know. He he looks totally crazy. He doesn't even look like he's on fire. And then when he looks like he's Johnny Storm, he just looks like some some podunk dude from North North Carolina. The, um, <laughs> I, th- there's, there's nothing. There's nothing happening in this. There's these big, the, the transitions make no sense. Um, ah! the, the panel layouts are, are are appalling and. It's just—it's just, it's just a mess. They are. They it's are the panel layouts. Oh, JD, this makes no sense. Go to the panel that introduces Agatha Harkness, which which then is like a cutout. I like that. Like, I thought that was cool. It's—it's <laughs> it's not badly. It's not a bad I, idea. I, it just doesn't fit anywhere in this book. At, yes, glance, that's I thought it's true. at glance, I thought he was walking into a model. Exactly. Like that wasn't <laughs> good. It's not good at all, man. I mean, it's 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 this is this is a piece of crap. He's taking a poop poops. <laughs> what is happening with the thing? What is happening with the? Right. So I I I, so I the the little indicia before the this issue said that it was a classic adventure that we'd never heard before kind of a thing. Right, so right. It's supposed, supposed to be not in continuity. However, um, they all, like, what Mark Wade did with the dialogue was, like, they say hashtag blah, they talk about memes, they joke. Thank like, you. So, yeah. There's, a, there's a, a real dissonance with, like, <laughs> with story and art, and it's, it's, it, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah, Human Torch specifically had that going on. Like, he's yeah. trying to be a young guy, I think, is I, what I, the problem somebody is. Else, somebody else made the joke about the meme. It wasn't just Torch. Oh, really? But either way, it was It was like... It was like... I was just trying really hard. <laughs> and and I was... And, and also, too, like, as soon as it was like, something's coming towards Earth, I was like, I don't know, is it is it gonna be... this? And they're telling me it's a classic tale of Fantastic Four. I was like... All right, is it going to be Surfer or is it going to be Galactus? 
This you is the one cover. So. I, <laughs> even without the cover, I was like... Okay. And and the big plan was we're going to we're going to deflect it. Yeah, well, yeah. With this with the huge the cool, hugest right? contact lens we've ever imagined. Well, he's not on it. I mean, in Reed's opposite of defense, he is not on his game. <laughs> like he's uh, you know he's feeling a little off right now. You guys you guys mentioned that that it, like that's a it just sounded like a stupid piece of dialogue, not an actual plot point that he seems to be getting slower. Oh, no, I think there's something. They bring it up a couple of times. Yeah. It was, it was mainly uh, her bitching to Agatha, right, about how he seems like he's really intent. Like, no. And the he more said some, seems, like, he the more some stuff, gets. too. Right. And somebody yeah. makes an allusion to, like, because uh, Reed says something like, somehow. It's like, what do you mean, somehow? That yeah. doesn't sound like you, Reed. Like, right. you, you right. know, always know how. There's not no somehow. Yeah. Get out of here. Ah. <laughs> in, a, in a book of actual dialogue from the book. In a book of in a book of like uh big big splashes and swings, that was uh way too subtle for me, apparently. <laughs> well, I did enjoy this book. I felt like like all of these seem to have when it's a classic tale, um they and they're by classic artists, like they are a little dated. Len made the point in our uh, uh, offline that there was an odd pair, Mark Wade and Neil Adams, and uh, I felt it was like peanut butter and mint. You know, they're like, <laughs> it's just not something you would normally eat together, but they both go great with other things. A little bit, once I read it, it still had that feel, but I found myself, I was reading, and I was like, oh, a little classic Fantastic Four. Now, the Fantastic Four is one of my favorite Marvel properties, so I was into that. You know, them just doing their sort of classic thing. I like Agatha Harkness. You know, there's a bit of a greatest hits feel to it. Um, the stuff like the hashtag thing, I explained away as like, all right, you're in a constant present. So even a story from the past is still in the present. It's weird, not natural, very stilted. Let's keep it going. You know, um, but just as a, just as like a fun, fantastic four thing, um, that feels a little out of it as these things often do the like classic tales. I was down, you know, I was into it. Yes. Um, I think my, the thing that frustrated me the most is the first opening splash page, um, where there are multiple vanishing Mm. points, like the perspective (laughs) Mm -hmm. we've got, the things over here with the Fantastic Four, and then you've got these people running down here, and then you've got this guy. What the hell is happening in this space? Right. It doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, is, he, is he holding on to a, a handle for something? I don't know. That could be his his lunchbox. A dumbbell. The back of the yeah. He's he's got a kettlebell. Kettlebell. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Was the, I gotta say, my kettlebell. He was so in the heavy. middle of a. He was in the middle of a workout in yeah. Manhattan yeah. with his construction yeah. gear on, <laughs> and he was just like, "I paid a lot for these." Yeah, yeah. All this lifting, this kettlebell is going to come in handy as I lift yeah, it. It's not. Annihilus is not going to stop me from getting swole. <laughs> <laughs> it's just another uh, example how Neil. It's, it's it's a shame that this mm-hmm. is. 
for a, for a lot of generations, this is going to be their introduction into Neil Adams. This and yeah. the whole Batman Odyssey thing that they did. And that, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm pretty sure this is Marvel having read Batman Odyssey and telling Neil like, eh, yeah, sure, you could do something. Let's get somebody mm. to write this stuff for him. Though. This mm. and, you know, this fever dream of a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> like, but it's the shame that this is going to be their introduction to Neil Adams, and you don't get to really appreciate, you know. The legacy of the man, you know what I mean. Mm. Um, I would say I want to say one other thing though, in defense of Marvel, that I've noticed in a lot of their books that I'm surprised DC has not done, and that is that almost on all of their books there has been an opening page that has been dedicated in recent issues either mm. to mm. Denny O'Neill or to Joe Sinnott. Yeah. Two, two creatives who have recently passed, who have had monumental contributions to the world of Marvel Comics, especially Joe Sennett, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Denny O'Neill, he definitely was a huge part of Marvel's uh, history as well, and it's rightful that they have ch- you know, put a splash page in front of all of their comics about him, right? But he has had an equal is not more um, impact in the world of DC. And if there was a splash page about him at one time in the DC comic book, I don't remember it. And even if it was, there's no reason why it can't continue to be a reminder of this man's contribution. That's one thing. And, and this is not the first time that Marvel has done something like this. They have always done done this and that I think I, I really appreciate their trying to stay connected to their history by introducing to the next generation these these people of the past and their contributions and why you know them leaving this this earth is so significant. I appreciate that. I really do like that. Yeah, the uh, DC did some Denny O'Neill stuff, but it wasn't. It was uh, end of the book, and I think it was only in like the Batman books, or it was it was only for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they, it's like they went to print on something right away, and they only did it for like one run. Where it seems, it seems as though DC or Marvel's doing it. Like we're gonna do this for a whole month, all the titles. So I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, that, that is what we've read this week, uh, but... Uh, JT, JT. Yes. If, if people who have previously been throwing quarters and dollars just down onto the street want to do something else with it, could yeah. they give it to our show? Is there any way that, you know, they could do that? They if could. Oh, no? If it's physical money, there's something they have to do with it first before oh, donating. that's true. Let's explain the process of putting money into the bank. Yeah. You open a bank account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And then you take all of your loose physical ex- uh, currency yeah. to the bank. And then... They'll deal with it. Maybe. And then you go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo, which Brandon just won't shut up about. He keeps trying to get me to change it to cult pop. Which I could do if I knew how to do that. Um, but yeah, so patreon.com slash Johnny Destructor if you want to help out the show. And you could also just send us money on Venmo at JD's Hero Complex on Venmo as a little tip jar if you want to help us out. And um, thank you so much, Brian, for asking that 
very You're absolutely question. welcome. I feel like I've asked something like that before, but I just don't pay attention when you answer, so... Yeah. yeah. It's best to just keep asking. Yeah, exactly. Where, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> this is not my beautiful this house. Is. This is not my beautiful wife. All right, so, book That's club. Else is fair. Uh, we're going to be talking about Lucifer, Volume 1. So, the last Sunday of every month, we... Do a little book club. So if you guys want to read the book and join us, that's why we do it. And, so, oh, no, what you got there? Show the people. Look at that big Lucifer hardbound omnibus. That's cool. Oh, uh, this, yes. is not, this, is not the, this is the actual, like, printed cover. The dust jacket is the normal, what he looks like. Here, I'll show you. The guy in the, in the garden. Yeah. That is actually a cover of, I think that's one of the later issues. I'm not sure. Nice. Mm. Oh, such I a, see. That's such a cool cover. It's a recent release because it's got the Sandman Universe um, bumper on it. Well, I mean, not so much. Oh, Vertigo, huh? Okay. Well, I mean, Vertigo just stopped. I got, I got this, uh, I, like, I want to say a year and a half ago, a long time yeah. ago. Actually, oh, I didn't read it. Volume 2 is not going to say Lucifer on it, or is not going to say Vertigo on it. No, no, if I did ever, if, if I did decide to get Volume 2, it's going to end up being like Black Label, and it's just not going to match on the shelf. Oh, man. So, so you know Lucifer, Volume 1, Devil in the Gateway, by Mike Carey, Scott Hampton, Chris Weston, James Hodgkins, Warren Police, and Dean Ormston, cast out of heaven, thrown down to rule hell, Lucifer Morningstar has resigned his post and abandoned his kingdom for the moral, mortal city of Los Angeles, where he is now enjoying a quiet retirement as the proprietor of Lux, LA's most elite piano bar. But now, an assignment from the creator himself is going to change all that. If Lucifer agrees to do Heaven's dirty work, he can name his own price. But both the task and reward are more than they seem. So I had never read this book, uh, but Brian has been mm. telling me to read it for Many, many, many years. Yeah, a long time. Since it was yeah. coming out originally, maybe. Yeah, and uh, he actually lent me the trade paperback, which uh, I still have somewhere on my bookshelf. And uh, so we finally got around to reading it. Who else besides Le uh, no, uh, Brian has read this previously? Oh, so all of us are newbies. Great. Brian, why don't you give us a little bit of um, a history and, and why you like this book so much? Oh, so this is one of my favorite works of fiction. Prose, comic, whatever. Um, I, I read it as it came out. I started probably towards the end of what we are reading now because that's how, you know, I didn't know it existed and I grabbed like issue nine or something like that. And I was so drawn into it, like almost immediately, the, the way that Mike Carey writes, the grandeur of his phrases, right? And... The character of Lucifer specifically really grabbed me. Like, um, just uh, the, the way that he writes him and the uh, sort of machinations and the removal of his attitude, you know, towards things, I found to be fascinating. We didn't quite get to Peter Gross's stuff, but it quickly goes into, like, some very awesome art, and the colors are amazing, and the landscapes uh, they are, like, transportive. It's a transportive work. Yeah, so... Keep it to this volume. Oh, no, but that still, that also applies. But um, in, we kind of get into it in the very last issue of this, of mm -hmm. this uh, series. Um, the, the fantasy world that is created, you see it a little bit in the, in the grandmothers, just like the way that they are drawn in that last issue. 
um, is was so interesting to me, and the character is so interesting to me. And uh, we have a little bit of characterization going in from Sandman, but I hadn't I hadn't read that yet. So uh, you know, um, I think plenty is done in in this. Um, to keep going. So that is that's a short version of why I like it so much. I'm really interested to hear what you guys think. Well, no, kick us off. Um, I well, I mean, I thought it was I thought it was wonderful. Um, so the they. It's very, it's a very dicey proposition to have, uh, or or to to pitch that the antagonist of your book is going to be the paragon of evil in every other form of literature, <laughs> religion, and storytelling. Mm. And to do that without glorifying him, but also just, uh, it's it's just it's a very witty and it's a very specific book. Like the the, fir- the this this first volume was two arcs and and like a one shot. Two, three, or a three-issue arc and a four-issue arc. The, the three-issue arc about the little girl or the, the the young girl, and you know, making a deal with the devil in order to to hang on. How did it, the, the way that it turned out? All that matters is the way that it turned out. Him setting up a uh, setting up a scenario with mild manipulation to get what he wanted, and it was still awful for the girl. He wasn't the bad guy. He wasn't yeah. the good guy. Yeah. He, was, he just knew what was going to happen because of the, the frailty and the faults of humans. So he just kind of facilitated that choice. Like he didn't screw her over. He didn't screw her over. Yeah, like I said, you'd he have also a didn't help. Yeah, he also didn't yeah. help. Yeah. yeah. So it was I like, don't have to kill you, but I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you from this exploding train. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It, so as soon as uh, as soon as those three issues went through, and I kind of understood the tone of the book, the rest of it was just a breeze, and it was really sweet, <laughs> sweet in experience, <laughs> not a sweet book. Um, it's adorable, Lucifer. Yeah, I was just like I, I super, I super stand Lucifer Morningstar. Uh, <laughs> no, it was it, it's a really fun book. It's um. It, it's it's over twenty something years old, but it does not read as such. It's a very it's a very um, evergreen kind of style, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. Sometimes you'll read something from ten years ago and it feels dated. Mm-hmm. This feels um, permanent and persistent and good. Like I'm very excited to continue reading. Cool, Len. Yeah, that that makes sense because it it it's dealing with like you said a character that has been you know, a staple of fiction and fantasy forever. So you go into this book with some preconceived notions of what he should be and what he should look like. And then you're just turned on your ear by he's just, uh, oh, he's Rick from Casablanca. Just very, <laughs> like, ambivalent to the world mm. in, this, in this little bar, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so it was kind of cool. Uh, full disclosure, you know, I only read like the first that first arc in this book, um, which was like cotton candy to me because it uh, I I too have what little of Mike Carey's writing I have read I've enjoyed, hmm. and I'm a sucker for some Scott Hampton art. So like I was in right there. It's like oh, this book is like this. I'm hmm. what, where have I been? So. Um, <laughs> And I loved how, just like you said, Noel, he is just um, he's just guiding this this young girl 
on the path to her own dissatisfaction. To it, it's like he is he is not getting in the way. He's just like put like a little bit of breadcrumbs, and then she's just eating it up, and he's just like. No, oh, this is—he's just enjoying the show. You can literally see him just popping popcorn as he's just walking with yeah. her, you know, <laughs> through through this whole journey that they're on. Um, and I—I uh, I enjoyed it. I was curious as I was reading this because I think this book has the falls into the genre of horror. And which is what probably kept me away from the book all these years because I'm, as I've said before, previously, I'm not really into horror comic books. Um, and I would imagine that subsequent, you know, issues and, and volumes may get be more horror centric or at least to what I think of as horror. But if this, everything is like this, then I dig it because he it's almost comes across uh, it's, it's funny I was just talking to somebody about some something else we were reading and I referenced Will Eisner's The Spirit who who is like this detective who in some of the most classic stories is pretty much just you know just our eyes into this world yeah. right he's not he's he's a part of the story but he really isn't he's really just there to just kind of like like put everything together and tie the bow on the end. And that's kind of like how I'm, I read Lucifer. That's certainly how he comes across in the first arc. And if there's more of that, I'm sure he plays more, you know, you get more deeply into his whole story as it goes along, you know, this fallen angel and everything like that. But if, if a lot of that is this, then I will enjoy going back and and reading Lucifer and collecting this book, I really really enjoyed this character. It was yeah, cool. and I I really um so the the arc that you didn't get a chance to read the that second arc the the four issues that preceded it um having to do with a mystical slash sentient deck of tarot cards, which is awesome. Mm. Um, it mm. dealt very it yeah, delved very yeah, I heard that. very interestingly and deeply into um social commentary in the eighties. Uh, with uh, with homosexuality and neo Nazis and and it was it was incredibly disturbing. It was incredibly um, prescient uh, mm. in a way that I wasn't expecting. And it was there's no happy endings here, but they're mm. satisfying. And I I appreciated that as a work of fiction. Yeah, I think uh, just to tell you a bit about what it's all about the. For me, there's like horror that tries to scare you, and there's stuff that deals with horror characters, right? I'm not too into horror that tries to scare you, but I like a lot of the like, you know, Buffy or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. This gets mainly it's like mm -hmm. biblical and mythological fiction that, as Rob Patty uh, Patty says, uh, it never gets too grody. Land and trips to hell are more bothersome than gross. So you know they uh, they deal with the kinds of things that he would run into, but I wouldn't, I, I don't, I think you'd be into it if, if that's the kind of horror that you're into. Yeah. It's the same kind of horror that, um, speaks to me in a comic book form, like Hellblazer, hmm. John yeah. Constantine books, hmm. which he I is in the Hellblazer continuity, actually, JJ, they, he makes mention of it in the, in the intro, uh -huh. but Hellblazer appears in Sandman, 
and this yeah. comes from Sandman. So they're all in. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just I never made that um, jump before. I never realized that it would have that sort of vibe to it, which I've always loved. So this was a nice surprise for me. Um, this is my first time reading this, and despite your um, attempts throughout <laughs> history to get me to read it, I just never pulled the trigger, and I'm really glad we did. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, exactly. I, I, I like him a lot, Lucifer. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of really cool things going on in here, like getting trapped in the mirror in the bar. I thought was kind of cool. Um, and, yeah, the way the first miniseries, the first three episodes shakes out is just kind of heartbreaking, <laughs> but not totally unexpected, I guess, with who you're dealing with. So, yeah, I think this is a, mm -hmm. a great series. And I'm definitely going to finish, nice. finish it up nice. at some point. Yeah, he's an interesting take on Lucifer as... Like a guy, you know, originally in mythology, he was punished and he was hell's first resident, you know, rather than the leader and, and ruler of yeah. it. And that's not the case here. Uh, I guess to give anyone who hasn't read it, where we're starting is he has abdicated hell. He uh, had dream of the endless cut off his wings and he now is no longer in charge. But he's uh, he doesn't fit a lot of the tropes of the. I want humanity to be evil. I just love evil. Yeah. Kind of. I'm not down here you know. collecting souls. Right, exactly. It, he wants more of an anarchist. He wants he, to be free. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's much more of an anarchist than he is any kind of nefarious being. It's just like I mean, I'm over here doing my thing. Mm -hmm. You guys I like I know how nasty and dangerous you could be. You just go ahead and do that over there. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then the cool very, thing I think the cool thing about his perspective is, first of all, he's like, listen, I rebelled how many fucking millennia ago and I yeah. still got to do this bullshit? Like, yeah. you sent me to my room. I get it. Great. Can I do something else now? Like, thanks. Yeah. And then on top of that, it's God is omniscient and knows everything that's going to happen. And yet you created me and knowing that I was going to rebel so that you could punish me, that's fucked up. And he says, like, every time I try to improvise, my words were there in the script all along. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and how about the, you guys know what that, what that letter was, right? Like, what he wanted, that is revealed in this, in this part of the story. Like, what he gets. Out is that of, the letter that he slices open in order to create a portal? Yeah, because yeah. he wanted to figure out, like, what's the trick here? You yeah. know, and it's that kind of, like, machinations yeah, so back and he, forth. Yeah. He does, he does the, the good thing. Uh, well, he helps the whatever, as a gift, he helps the girl. As a gift, he gets the passage back into heaven. Mm -hmm. And then the whole next arc is about, like, is this on the level? That's the whole tarot card thing. And when he finally finds out that it's a bit of a trick, um, I I interpreted it as he opens the gate and then keeps that bitch open with a spell. And he's like, mm -hmm. cool. This is what you wanted. This is what you got. Let's see. Uh, I mean, let's, I'm, I'm here to enjoy the apocalypse. And then he gets him and Mazakine get popcorn and they just sit there and mm -hmm. watch world, the world crumble. Um, That's how I interpreted it. Yeah, it because uh, it's like he could get out, but if he if he used it, it would close behind him, and then that's not oh. really what he wants. Yeah, oh. so he yeah. just open. Yeah, exactly. Which I just checked. He says that here. I'm not. You know, that's, that's yeah. You know it. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't me looking up. That was yeah, like, yeah. In the page, like let's you know, let's see what happens. Cool. Um, one of God's names. Yeah, oh, yeah. yud yud Vavhe are Hebrew letters. Yahweh is what that would. That's. 
I was wondering, uh, but I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. He uses a couple. There's uh, he refers to the girl in the beginning as a daughter of the Diné, right? Diné is the Navajo. Navajo is Spanish. I heard yeah. for a horse thief, right? That's not what they called themselves originally. Diné means, and which means people, um, as so many ancient societies named themselves the people in their own language. Uh, so just bit of trivia on that one. Uh, I want to hear, what did you guys think of that last issue? The one and done? It's Because like Len said, uh, there's a lot of that, you know, where it's like, Lucifer's the main character, but we got a lot of other interesting people, you know, like one and done stories or whatever. Whoops, was it? this Born with the Dead with yeah, art yeah. by Dean yeah. Orsom? Yeah. I didn't read uh, that one because I thought we were just reading the first six. Hmm. Uh, wasn't it a conversation yesterday? <laughs> it was. It was. I even thought you uh, confirmed it before the show today, but I misunderstood. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, I read it. It was um, it was great. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it reminded me of Mignola, but I see that. so incredibly well written. This uh, <laughs> a dig. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a dig. Mignola stuff is intentionally not complicated. Like, the emotion is actually what you apply to it. His characters basically are just like, ah, oh, crap, shit. Damn it, you gotta get it. Like, it's underwritten intentionally. This is like a literative version of it. The idea of a little girl that's a bit of a seer and her whole her whole adventure with witches and witchcraft in order to find out how her little her friend was killed. She accidentally calls on Lucifer, and then mm-hmm. that's tied into the arc from before. So like he's only like a guest player, and he only agrees to help her a little bit because he's like, I think you're the girl that's gonna be that, that was mentioned in the tarot cards, and then that's oh, it. Oh, okay. This is yeah. like this. Is, this really is a this is a classic in between issue, kind of like a it seventh is. issue where it's, <laughs> arts, it's it's not the main story. However, it just kind of touches on it and lands and plants a seed for later. I'm it's curious to see Sandman issue eight. That. Issue eight when Lucifer is on trial. <laughs> <laughs> classic no, eighth issue. Eight and the book is drawn <laughs> by forty four angels. <laughs> 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 they're going to play softball first at a barbecue. <laughs> it's, it's the whole Sandman universe. It's, it's, it's endless on one team playing Lucifer and Constantine and Swamp Thing over there. It's it's a whole thing. It's a whole team. Xanadu So, yeah. Um, I think we all agree. Great. Lucifer Volume 1. Great. Cool. And I'm so glad that you guys are into it. And uh, I don't think it's giving anything away to say that this is the first four issue, like a special, and then four issues, and then this one and done, um, which is like a kind of a fill-in artist, but who stays as the as the fill-in artist throughout the book um, whenever they need to either have story reasons or to catch up, do another thing. Um, they so that's this is the setup. There's a lot of stuff that going back. I'm like, ooh, now we're getting going, and I looked ahead to what the first page of the next one is, and I was like, that's classic. Ready to go. Can I, so yeah. can I tell you how how sometimes I, I so I, I I read this a, a little bit ago when you loaned it to me originally, mm-hmm. Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I flipped through it yesterday to just refresh, and I know that this is a seventy five issue series mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. wonderful ending, the whole nine. In the tarot card section, they allude to things, mm-hmm. and. Part of me got pissed. Like, I'm gonna, have, <laughs> I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to fucking remember all these like illusions for seventy issues. Nah. God damn it! 
So I'm hoping that when they start to come through, they'll either remind me or I'm, well, I think what I think what that's there for is like when you do a reread after yeah. reading 75 issues, you'll be like, oh, shit. That's exactly what happened with me. I read that and I was like, oh, shit. He already knew that this thing was going to happen. It does not matter at all. That tarot card, you know, like the three panels that you see. All is all is on its own. Stands on its own. Yeah, I yeah. can't think of a I can't think of a good example right now of it. But there's been a couple of times where that's happened, and either book is late, can't finish it, do this, do that, and mm-hmm. those mean nothing. And then like five years later, they'll you know like ha ha ha, and apply yeah. it to a story with no context, and you're like, what do you think? You're so smart. What happened? Yeah, like, yeah that's that's like just it, like it a fun little. All right. Rob Beatty um, says, why he ultimate, ultimately abdicates hell, though, is the bestest surprise of all. Father slash son dynamic is delicious. Daddy. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize Mike Carey wrote in the forward how, like, how big of a theme that was for him writing it. And looking back, I'm like, oh, okay, I could see that. But I didn't, there, I took, there's so much to take from the subsequent, like, 70 issues of this book that there's, like, there's a, there's a lot to think about. So, hey, hey, yeah. Brian, I got a quick question. You consider mm-hmm. what Lucifer means to you in literature. Did mm-hmm. you take a chance on watching the TV adaptation of the character? I did. What were your thoughts of it? So I stayed away from it for a long time because I was like, I had heard how different it was. And this is mm-hmm. uh, a pl- such a such a place close to my heart, so close to my heart is this particular work of fiction. But I was like, I don't know that I want to, you know, like if it's going to be so different. And then um, my mom really liked it is, is one thing uh, that I had, you know, she told me and I was like, okay. And I would read little things here and there. And finally I was like, you know what? It's so different from the other stuff that maybe it's different enough that I'm not going to hold it up. And then in crisis on infinite earths, he makes a quick, appearance yeah. yeah and he yeah. was like of constantine you know it's like it's constantine is it i don't care and then he goes back <laughs> in i was like that guy's fun let so then i started watching it and by that time all four seasons that were out at the time were on netflix i watched all of that and i like it a lot it's great it's the names are the same i'm not even sure if mazikeen appears in sandman there might be nothing that's original to lucifer the book that is, okay. you know, they're just so different stories. Basically, he abdicates hell and runs a nightclub, and they, some of the characters have the same names. That's it. Yeah, okay. It, okay. It's, a, it's a it's a procedural. Like they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. A, a big biblical story, and they're just like, hey, right. Cop dramas are, are popular, and he's a pretty decent. Guy. Like he is not, uh, he is not the same character at all <laughs> as he is in. You mm. know, he does favors, but he's not like a manipulator or anything. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think they, they have like a name on a file, Gaudium, who in this book is a a fallen cherubim. He's a little demon that pops in and it's just like, that's all he gets in that. It's the worlds are so different. Um, but very fun in a different way. The first, uh, first part of season five just came out of that. I loved it. Oh, it was great. It was, uh, I'm I'm loving the show, but, uh, just same names. Okay, cool. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if, if, if you don't approach it as well, an adaptation. I believe J.D. had put the banner up earlier. For Gutter Talk. It is now time for Gutter Talk, ladies and gentlemen. And um, which is where we talk about all the things that are happening around the, the, in the white area of the comic book page, which are called the gutters. And 
today, I think it's, it's only appropriate that we kind of like really just focus on really the biggest story of the week. And that was, as mentioned at the top of the show, the passing of Chadwick Boseman, the actor who portrayed uh, Black Panther in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He passed away on Friday after a four-year battle with colorectal cancer. Um, he was a very young 43 years old. Uh, this was a fight that he was having in and to himself. Only he and his wife and family knew of his battle. Um, even though there's certainly been allusions made that probably some of his the people that were hiring him, who he was working with, knew of his his struggle with this disease, uh, which would ultimately uh, take his life. And we gave our thoughts in the beginning of the show of exactly how much, you know, how we felt about the loss of Chadwick Boseman. And now here in Gutter Talk, I think it's a time to um, speak a little bit more of the impact that he had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in such a brief time and what uh, and his impact actually into um, just pop culture itself. Uh, I'll start by saying that, you know, after being saddened by his passing and everything like that, I would, after reading on the internet how much his passing not only had taken over, you know, you know, geek Twitter, it was all over the place, but in pop culture Twitter, but it was also like prominent in news Twitter, or like on every aspect of the world it was out there. And it was reminding me of when Christopher Reeves passed and you learned exactly how much his portrayal of Superman and how that came to embody how he, you know, kind of like lived the rest of his life especially in, in, in light of the, uh, the accident that would happen years later, um, how much his passing impacted so many people. And it was very humbling for me, to be honest, as a black man to have this black man's passing be so um, honored so resolutely across the world it, it, it act, actually was like wow that's pretty cool that 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 says something about the man that says something about his work um and hopefully it, it says something about where we actually are as society as opposed to yeah. what we sometimes see you know yeah. on the screen i i think as much as as much as we're we're shown on a daily basis on an hourly basis on a uh a, a, minute-by-minute minute basis, just how divisive and, and shitty things are, especially for people of color. It's it's easy to forget that that people do understand the the context and importance of symbols. Um, and on, on the page is just an actor in a, in a superhero movie, but he embodied a symbol, a very powerful symbol for a, a lot of people that aren't just people of color, but a lot of people. And um, it was, I, I guess, just with the with the onslaught of, of so much awfulness in the last six months plus, it was, um, I forgot. I, I kind of forgot just how um, effective 
and how emotional people were when I mean when Black Panther came out. So like when I, I was trying to remember too, I, I saw it. I saw it with you and JD Len that yeah. that yeah. screening. Um, I loved it, but at the time I was like, eh, it might not be the best. It's cool, right? right. I like it. It's just, I just like it. I just like it. Um, like I have seen it hand over fist more than any other Marvel movie mm-hmm. over and over again because it's just so it's so effective and it's so inspiring and it's so it's so wonderful. So I even I didn't even realize it in the moment that it could be and would be so important to people. So like I, I it was um it was a it was a gut punch, but like I think the the reverberations from the gut punch are a positive thing. Yeah, the importance of symbols, the importance of of uh, of representation, the importance of of icons. I think it's important for, um, you know, it's important for anyone to look up on a screen and see somebody like themselves in a heroic role. And, um, you know, I am no expert on, on that impact here. I think it's also really important that for uh, young white kids really liked Black Panther 2 and wanted to be Black Panther. That That is probably really helpful in... Like yeah. how those kids grow up and what they see, um, their black friends and, and or people that they don't know who are black and what they see them as. Um, and yeah, and Christopher Reeve got to finish his his superhero stuff, you know, his oeuvre, and that is great. And that is a difference with this. And I always feel at least a little awkward. A, a human being has died and I'm thinking at least somewhat about like, but what about what about their art? You know, like, what about the next thing that they were going to make? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, and art is, you know, I mean, for any of us, art is one of the major things that we can leave behind, no matter at what age or the circumstances of our death. So, like, it is sad that he didn't get to do another entry in the Black Panther community. I mean, not that anybody's arguing against it. It's just I myself feel like, you know, is that more important than the passing of a human being? But but it, it is important. and And also... You know, I mean, it kind of looked like he was set up. I still haven't seen Homecoming, so don't, I know it's a transgression, but don't spoil it. It kind of looked like uh, Captain Marvel was Thor, Spider-Man was Iron Man, and Black Panther was Captain America in the next, mm. you know, Avengers iteration, you know? And that may still be true of that character, but this man embodied that character so well, and I was, uh, you know, I was just thinking of, like, the way that he moved, Sort of yeah. panther-like, you know what I mean, and 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 his facial features were so distinctive but powerful, and you know, so um, I don't know. Uncollected thoughts about, about the, this. the 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 point you made about um, representation too. Uh, I read a really good article recently. If I can find it again, I'll share it. But um, there's there's the surface level of representation that everyone always talks about, mm-hmm. but the next level of it is for those that don't need to be represented on screen. Hmm. So it's it's great for a little a little African American boy to see that uh, an African American king hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just as important for a little white girl because mm-hmm. they don't see that either, right? So mm-hmm. like the 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 surface level of representation is incredibly important. The next level of representation of normalizing uh, people as people mm-hmm. to 
all the white kids is just as important. Like you said, like right. the idea of, of, of the, the white kids. And then, you know, of course, um, us adults fucking ruin it by like, well, I mean, can they dress up as Black Panther? Because that's blackface. And you told us that was bad. Like, shut the fuck. Right. Kid wants to be exactly. his favorite superhero. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, right. It's just, it, like, we ruin it. However, the more important thing being that this kid sees a paragon of hope and excellence. Yeah. And they want mm-hmm. to aspire to that, right? That's why why myths and idols and symbols are, are yeah. powerful and wonderful. I mean, they shape yeah. our view of the world stories, you know, and myths and yeah. stories. So, yeah. Action figure <laughs> expert says that I am totally surprised that people at Marvel Studios know about traffic versus cancer, but never at any time was it leaked. That's, that's the incredible thing is that he was diagnosed with this cancer back in 2016, and this was, that was, I believe, if I remember, 2016 is when he first appears as Captain as Black Panther in Civil yeah. War. Right. Yeah, so, Brandon, Brandon put out the timeline for us. Yeah, like right. it must have been and, and filming like, slightly before, I guess, right? Right, and, and it, ne- it never leaked after that. It, it never yeah. leaked, and, and it, that probably speaks to him himself. Um, and it also probably speak, it speaks to Marvel and Disney probably honoring his wishes not to let it be be out there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you that just gives you that much more respect because that means that while he he filmed Black Panther while he was going through treatment mm-hmm. for cancer, mm-hmm. he filmed Infinity War and. Endgame while he was going through treatment for cancer. He filmed other movies like 21 Bridges, a, a movie that mm. he did while he was going through treatment. He filmed um, Marshall, his portrayal of Thurgood Marshall while he was going through this treatment. Oh, I didn't know about that one. Yeah, because that film actually yeah. came out in 2017, okay. like in between Civil War and Black Panther. And he also um, played Jackie Robinson? I, I played, just learned that during this. Yeah, He played Jackie Robinson. That was like his first leading role. Oh, okay. Playing Jackie Jackie Robinson, and then he would this, the following year play James Brown. In, oh. uh, in he has played a lot of notable historical <laughs> figures here. Outside wow. of his work in soap opera, which is where he got his start, and you know, like some <laughs> small roles on television. The yeah. man is known for playing historical roles, like wow. like yeah. every role. He it, Chadwick Boseman is Black History. Cool. He, <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I just heard, actually, there's a, an Egyptologist that I follow on Facebook because she had a, a show a while ago that I thought was awesome. And she just found out. She was like, I didn't realize I saw him. Did you know about this? The woman named Kara Cooney, she's very interesting. And she was like, I didn't realize until I just saw this announcement. Chadwick Boseman was the kid in my class who, I, I forget all of it, but among other things, did like like a Egyptian hieroglyphics... Mm-hmm. Uh, like song <laughs> that they inclined. She was like, I just put two and two together that he was this like bright light in my class that did like um, I, I I forget what the specific are, but did I mean doing like modern music with Egyptian hieroglyphics? That's a cool. That's a cool thing to do, you know. That that is, and I actually I remember reading that story a little bit, but where I thought you were going initially was mm. that he was also. Uh, in the ill-fated 2016 film Gods of Egypt, that got horrifically panned. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wanted to see that because I like the subject matter, not because I heard anything good about it. But. <laughs> I, I think you would like it because yeah. they, so they take they take Egypt mythology hmm. and they do not um, contextualize it. It's oh. all as written. Just so like, here it is. Cool. Like, <laughs> the world is flat. There mm. is another plane of existence where the gods... Like, it's all... Like, they just take, like, mythology, and that's mm. the reality of the movie. And and the gods are, like, nine and a half feet tall, played by normal actors. And the people... Like, yeah. it is a weird fucking movie. All right. I've heard it's very weird. Oh, it, weird also? I'm in, guys. I don't care what not, any review says. It's not good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's so incredibly fascinating. Because okay. it's so weird. Like, cool. if... if if it's your thing, get high, watch Sweet. God's Egypt, and order a pizza. That was, Just, all right. I'll add pizza to the plan, though. <laughs> Robert Patey, also, Robert Patey's chiming in saying, uh, ladies and gentlemen, or, and especially you gentlemen, get your colon checked. Waiting until 50, age 50, is whack. A sure. full colonoscopy is great. You get a midday nap. I just uh, had one done. Like, last week, uh, was it the week before? I'll tell you what, guys, I was dreading it. It was not that bad. Rob's advice is excellent. Uh, yeah, do it. Yeah? Because I, I actually have I have one coming up, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm dreading it. I am a, a JD as well, yeah. I believe. The yeah. prep was not, that was what I was worried about, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. If that's holding anybody off, you know, it's not fun, it's not terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. you say so. Yo, pick up some beef or chicken broth. Yeah, that was what did it for me, man. Because everything else you eat has to be lemon or lime flavored and cold or clear or it's a liquid. Beef or chicken broth, you get to sip on a hot, kind of savory, substantive tasting thing. Got a little bit of protein. And uh, that was that was what uh, that was my favorite decision that I made about doing it. Nice. Yeah. yeah, but then you got to drink that whole gallon of stuff, man. Yeah, that's not oh. so great. Yeah, uh, although I've heard different. So I had a big jug, and I had to do once every 15 minutes. It was like a thick water. There was a lemon flavor in it. And then uh, I've heard other reports of slightly different. So, yeah, yeah it's not great. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Dread it. Dread it. And then oh, when you do it, on. it won't be so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But by gutter... We mean your butts. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to gutter butts. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think that Marvel should do? I know it's like the the crude question to ask, but it's a legacy. No, I think you had a really good, not crude answer to that. No, to be honest with yeah, you. Well, I yeah. I I had posited in the thread the idea that I mean, part of me wants them to just straight up retire it, work around it. Hmm. No one else should like put it in a bubble, and this is excellence, right? But hmm. the character themselves is the character itself is contextually and historically too important for the masses, for representation, for black excellence, for storytelling to just leave alone, right? Yeah, sure. That's what I was going to say. Like Robert Payne suggests this: uh, make yeah, make yeah. his sister Black Panther. Yeah. In the I was wondering too. She has been, yeah. I could see them doing that. I could see them making uh, Shuri Black Panther, making some type of allusion to his passing. Um, 
somewhere along the lines, I think you have to do it in Black Panther 2. I think you can mm. do it in, in one of the ancillary movies. Sure. I think it would have to be done in Black Panther 2 just so it, it resonates mm-hmm. and so that everyone can appreciate it and, and show your um, appreciation for for his uh, depiction of the role, as it were. Um, but I think, yeah, like like sign her up. Sign Letitia up and let her be um, Black Panther moving on. Or Lapita Nyong'o. Look like, like oh, that would be interesting. Like, yo, I, yo, yeah, I'm da- I'm down for some Lapita Nyong'o. That would be interesting. And then you like, keep like, Shuri, I like, I like Letitia, Shuri, but Lapita. Yeah. In the context of the movie, though, didn't yeah. they they destroyed all the root? I'm sure oh, they could power. find some more. Oh, <laughs> they, did. they did. They did. Wait, yeah. didn't wait. Didn't Mbaku have something? No, no, no. They they grabbed some yeah. before it was burned down. I mean, That's who right. knows? Right. There's right. been some a few reality stuff going on. There's always a grove or a clearing, you know what I mean? That's got some heart shaped herbs somewhere that you well, can I, find. I, I I don't know. I just I, yeah. I I want them to. I I I trust Ryan Coogler that it's mm. not going to be a weird cash grab and awful. Mm. Um, the, somebody mentioned it earlier, or action figure expert actually mentioned it earlier. The idea that, like, you know, yeah, he was diagnosed before they started filming, but that the last four years in all of the appearances and everything, these st- even his co-stars had no goddamn idea. Oh really? No. Oh, no. Studio, yeah. That the studio and the studio has to know. Like, you have to insure yeah. people for yeah. insurance, and they have to go through physicals for everything that they film. Yeah. For the union, so it wasn't a secret to to Feige and Disney. Hmm. Um, so I I wonder if they had a plan other than hope when billions of dollars were on the line. Yeah. So he, the the thing that was suggested, Shuri becoming like she that was her introduction in in the comics was she he he had died Black Panther or, or no I'm sorry he was no longer the king and she became Black Panther. And I was wondering about that, too. And it, it would be a great solution. It's not without its problems, right? One, you lose Shuri as mm-hmm. the kind of, like, Shuri character that she is now, the, like, tech wizard person that, you know, that's a classic character that, like, assisting to the hero and, uh, in this case, is smarter than the hero in a lot of ways. Um, you also, if you, you don't have T'Challa anymore, either. Right. You know, and and T'Challa is great, and I'm sure Shuri as Black Panther would be great too. But that that would be a loss. Um, you know that uh, obviously there's a loss regardless. But yeah, Robert Patty suggesting that uh, if he was Disney, he'd try to steal Zendaya from <laughs> Sony um, to come in as a new character to fill the role as well. Th- that's the beautiful thing about how they have set up the Black Panther. Wakandan universe in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you don't have to bring in Zendaya. You don't have to bring in a new character. Mm-hmm. I mean, right off the top of the bat, we've named we've named two characters who could easily fill the role of Black, Black Panther. And, and here's I forget her name, but his love interest oh, could um, also. That's, that's Lupita Nyong'o. Um, well, the, no, no, that's uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Wait, who's the captain of the guard? Then? The, the lead of the. Um, yeah, that's who I'm thinking the, of. Yeah, yeah, Michonne yeah. plays. Well, the actress that plays Michonne. Oh, okay. I got it confused. I thought that's who we were talking about all along. She would make a great Black Panther, as would then Lupita Nyong'o or Shuri. There's a lot. Yeah. Her name yeah. is just complete. It just it just drew a blank on me. Um, 
even even the order of guards i completely forgot the name damn it yeah and it's a very catchy name it, it starts with a b right oh jeez did you guys the, hear the the rap music we did a little yeah that is a guy out on the street in his jeep oh hi it's loud it's vibrating the windows <laughs> i hate this person he said, I hate this person. Oh, Dene Guerrera, who played Okoye. Um, okay. What's the guard? Uh, yeah, what on. is that? The bodyguards. The, the order of bodyguards. Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje. There we go. Thank you, Max. Max. Ding, ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. I don't know remember that. It's crazy. No prize for that man. Action figure expert says... What is sort of messed up is that people have started to bank on Black Panther merchandise the same day I started seeing R.I.P. t-shirts. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean... Yeah. That, that, that happens every place now. It does. Yeah, I mean, it's gross. Hey, maybe some of them are going to some good causes. That's a, that's a hope, <laughs> at least, you know. I thought you meant purchasing... I thought uh, Action Figure Expert meant, like, buying up, like... Yeah, that's what I thought he meant. Yeah, to try to sell them. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, inflated prices. That's what I Right, right. As well. And both of those could be true very easily. Very, very true. Yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's very sad that he that he passed. Um, yeah. But <sighs> we'll, yeah. See, we'll see how the future plays out. We'll yeah. see how the future plays out. Yeah. And there is still this movie. You know, it's in the books. Black Panther phenomenal movie and something for people children uh, to watch for for years to come That's oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah this, i mean he is going to be a cultural icon legacy for people for for years and um uh thank you chadwick boseman for yeah. for for portraying jackie robinson james brown thurgood marshall t'challa heroes for black people and black children um for years and years to come, and for being a hero yourself in just the way that you lived your life, um, and the embodiment and of you know class and 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 grace that you presented on the screen and 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 off. You know, so thank you very much. Also, it, since we're thanking him, um, also thank you for hosting Saturday Night Live because that was probably one of, <laughs> that was one of the funniest episodes in the last like five years. That's right. That's right. I forgot T'challa, about that. T'Challa on Black Jeopardy was one of the best things I had ever seen. Ever. <laughs> I did not see that. Oh, he was such a good host. Yeah, you got to see it. You got to see it. It's classic. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll check it out. God's of Egypt. Incredibly yeah. fun. Great. And you had mentioned, Len, that he seemed like a great guy off screen, too. And I've heard a little bit about him, about that. And that's great. Oh, Oh, a great guy. I mean, you have to imagine how many times people were walking up to him, you know, Wakanda forever. Uh, uh, yeah. And and though he made fun of about that on uh, on the Saturday Night Live and a couple other places, um, he ne he he actually it, like enjoyed it. He, he un That's understood cool. his role in yeah. in this world in in this genre. He was just a great dude. Fantastic. That's very cool. Well, yeah, I'm glad it was him then. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, glad it was him that got to play that role. Most definitely. Yeah. We we know that the Legend of Black Panther will live. The movie will live on. The Chadwick Boseman will live on. If you had to suggest for comic book readers a Black Panther book hmm. for them to read, 
you know, one volume of, of Black Panther. Because for a long time, there pretty much was just the Reginald, Reggie Hudlin collection or the Christopher Priest collection, but Black Panther has been an ongoing book for quite a time. Right. Noel has, has been, you know, inundating us with pleas to read Black Panther's um, run, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, so... Is there which I did read a, a part of, and I thought it was it was pretty good, a little overwritten, but pretty good for the most part. And yeah, I'm interested to, to go back like to it. Comic work, it, it gets better. Yeah, yeah. Was that his um, first? Like, if there was a from novelist, yeah, 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 yeah. So, if there was a Black Panther book for you, suggest to people to read. What what would it be? Uh, I so other than the what you just said, like you could literally start at Nation Under Our Feet. The, the first like 12 issues of Tanahasi Coates run and it continues on for another like 40 issues uh it's good cool um but he's T'Challa is currently the the head of the Avengers he like he he's the I forget the title they gave him but he's the leader of the Avengers and his idea or his version of leadership is much more diplomatic which mm-hmm. is really cool so like the the influence of Wakanda and and T'Challa has been very heavy in the current Jason Aaron Avengers run, and it's quite nice. Like he's got sleeper agents, uh, Wakandan sleeper agents all over the world. He he gets people to come to like diplomatic meetings, and like it's it's really rad. Like I would I would read him as the head of the Avengers if you're interested. It's a great entry. I don't think I have a good answer for that. Uh, Black Panther is a character that whenever he pops up, I'm like, oh, cool. But I can't think of a lot of, like, a mini that I would recommend. Or, like, when Shuri was introduced, I was he had an ongoing at the time, I think, which is yeah. uh, less less common, um, but but maybe changing uh, than, than it would, would have been nice. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the art on that. And they got into um, some, like, kind of the mystical side of things. It's a bit of a cop-out, but his original appearances in Fantastic Four are very cool. You know, just like historically, and I mean, it's Kirby and, and Leon, Fantastic Four. Um, so I'd be more interested in hearing your recommendations about him, you know. The, the short Dwayne McDuffie run of Fantastic Four, T'Challa was a member of the team. and it was Oh, very- yeah, that was awesome. That was really good. Not about that. He and Storm took over when Reed and Sue were out yep. doing something. They were like working on their marriage or something. I think. Yeah, <laughs> that, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, he was the leader. I think at that time. It was only like ten issues or so. It was yeah. a really short, like little run, but it was great. That was really good. Yeah, that's some good. Fantastic Four, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think to Brian's point about going back to his original um, depiction in Fantastic Four. If you, to me, if you were going to go dig into the crates for it, mm. for Black Panther, that would probably be the best place to go. And I would stop there because, because it's Kirby, it's very loud and bombastic and, you know, it doesn't get, try to get too political. Um, so it reads fine. I think some of later iterations of Black Panther, and I think that some of the politics of the day are a little sketchy and it doesn't read as well. Um, I was not a fan of the Reggie Hudlin run. I was a fan of the Christopher Priest run, so that was pretty good. Um, 
But to me, I honestly, especially if you've been introduced to Black Panther primarily from the the movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would side with Nolan. I would say to go to to the Ta-Nehisi Coates run or him in the Avengers because I think that is closer aligned with the Black Panther that is in that in those films and yeah. probably a, a more truer, honest, and faithful uh, rendition of the character as he should be represented. So oh, you know what? Also, um, Hickman had a lot of fun with T'Challa during mm. his Avengers run. Like, he was the moral center of the, of the Illuminati, <laughs> if there could be one. Right. And, and then, like, the whole run was ended with Secret Wars, and T'Challa was, like, a huge part of that. Wheel, even wielding a Infinity Gauntlet. So, like, he did some really, really... Because there's um, some writers lean into it, some don't. There's a real uh, regality, yeah. obviously, to to T'Challa. Some don't include that at all, and others, like, really do. And and Hickman and ta Coates definitely touch on, like, the, the importance of his position just as much as the man in the position. So, like, it's, right. it's, a, it's a, a story choice to either humanize someone or... Or make it uh, make them aware of their importance right. without being haughty or douchey. Right. And both of those writers do it really, really well. Like he knows how important he is, but it's more of a testament to how great he is because that's not a factor in his moral character. It's really, really well done. He shows up in uh, in there's an animated so the the current Avengers animated stuff stopped doing just like episodes and now I think they do like it's it's weird but they're like blocks of of a storyline but they have a separate subtitle and I don't know how they show up on IMDb or whatever but they've got a separate subtitle for each thing and Black Panther and Shuri are I think like Black Panther is it's like a Black Panther centric story with hardly any of the other Avengers are in it. But it's good, and and he does a good like a regal sort of thing. Yeah. And action figure expert that mentioned that uh, you can watch Earth's Mightiest Heroes on if you subscribe oh. to Disney Plus is up there, and Black Panther yeah. is featured in that show as well. And to me, that is probably the best iteration, animated iteration yeah. of the Avengers that I've seen in a oh. long time. And Black Panther is definitely prominent as a member of that team as well. All right, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Gutter Talk and Spoiler Alert, the Cold Pop Podcast. You can join us here every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. where we live stream. You can jo- you can tweet at me at JD's Hero Complex. You can help the show out by going to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. Oh, Brian, where can people reach you? Uh, you can find me on and Twitter no. at, at Mr. Bartocci, B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I, or any of the Cold Pop social medias. Nice. And Len. Any place that you find a black tribbles, holla at a tribble. Holla, 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 holla. Nice. Sorry, guys. I got a store full of people. I got to go help them. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk. Oh, actually, real quick before we go, did we discuss our next book of the month book club? Oh, great. I suggested Eternals, the uh, Gaiman and John Romita Jr. I thought that would be kind of cool. Yep. Anybody anybody ever read it? I've never read it. I haven't read it. read it as it was coming out. I mean, it's apparently a very popular. Uh, I mean, it's very popular movie coming out, but then also it's relaunching next in September. Cool. So let's read the old stuff. Yeah, so Sounds we're gonna good. read yeah, this. Yeah, it'll be a movie uh, too. So 
Neil Gaiman series. Uh, the, we'll talk about it the last Sunday of next month. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Toodles. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is